Welcome once again to another fantastic episode of the Business Creators Radio Show. We help business creators like you win at the game of business and marketing so you can thrive from your intersection of your brilliance and your passion and make a difference for your community, market, and audience. Please take a moment and visit our website, www.businesscreatorsradioshow.com. You'll find hundreds of episodes covering a breadth and depth of topics relevant to you as a business creator and links to subscribe via your favorite network so you get fresh episodes delivered straight to you. And now, here's today's episode. Let's get started. My name is Adam Homie. I am your host, and I am honored once again by your wise decision to tune in and invest in yourself today. The Business Creators Radio Show takes you where you go to have those mastermind meetings and aha moments that can possibly change your trajectory or at least bring you a little bit closer to serving from your intersection of your brilliance and your passion. I am here today in my apartment in Las Vegas, known to some as the hottest city in America, although with all this so-called global warming, 50 degrees at the end of March, this is just ridiculous, but uh, we're not going to go there. I'm hanging out with uh, our office production team, my cats, Alessandra and Stella, who are as tuned in as you, the listener, are, as we cover a conversation that I believe is perpetually timely and brings up some of my contrarian feelings as we're going to explore with our very unique guest here. This is about personal branding in a digital world. And while you don't exist, if you can't be found online, being invisible online is a terrible strategy. And if you don't brand yourself, then others will brand you instead. In my work through the podcast reach system, launching and hosting your podcast is all about creating an influencer brand that draws people in and helps people recognize the investment you make in your own online presence. And to share with us today on this whole topic of personal branding in the digital world, we have Paige Arnoff-Fenn, who is the founder of Mavens and Moguls. It's a firm based in Cambridge, Massachusetts, with clients including Microsoft, Virgin, and New York Times Company, Colgate, venture-backed startups, as well as nonprofit organizations. Paige graduated from Stanford University and Harvard Business School, serves on several boards as a popular speaker and columnist, and has written for little publications you might have heard of once, such as Entrepreneur and Forbes. Paige, come on in. The weather's fine. Thanks, Adam. It's great to be here. Thank you for having me. All right. That intro is so impressive. I'm not sure if I'm worthy to be in your presence, and this is my show. So uh, what we want to do here is... Before we dive in, I'm very, very, very excited about this. As I said, this is perpetually timely, and I have some real thoughts on this based on what I do for a living and some of the things I run into with the expectations that are placed upon people who do business that sometimes I think are unrealistic and even unnatural. And I'm looking to see if we can bifurcate between that and a logical way that allows everybody to embrace this concept and succeed with it with their own truth. Before we do that, I read off your bio, as I said, tell us a bit in your own words, something about your journey that's brought you to where you are today, serving business creators from your intersection of your brilliance and your passion. Well, I think Steve Jobs was right that it only makes sense when you look back and connect the dots. So when I started my career out of college, 
I was an economics major and went to Wall Street because uh -huh. I graduated in the 80s. And you might or might not be old enough to know that uh, Michael Douglas had just won the Oscar for the first Wall Street movie. Yeah. And I saw it and I was completely enamored and thought that was going to be my life. And yeah. um, I realized pretty quickly, I learned a lot. I got paid really well. But that was not the, the path I wanted to be on. So after my two-year commitment ended, I uh, went back to business school, got an MBA, and rebranded myself into marketing. And I've been in marketing ever since. I've done three kind of distinct chapters. The corporate marketing uh, at the beginning with uh, P&G and Coca-Cola, uh -huh. kind of big consumer products, you know, very uh, hierarchical, hierarchical structured, big budgets. Then when the internet took off in the mid to late 90s, I got bitten by the dot-com bug and I left my cushy corporate job to go run marketing at three consecutive startups and they all did pretty well. They're not LinkedIn, Facebook, or Twitter, but they all had good exits. And then after 9-11 hit, I had just gotten bought out of the third startup and I hung out a shingle thinking I'd just kind of park here for a while and see what comes next because marketing kind of got decimated after 9-11 and I've been doing it ever since. So I guess uh, pretty crazy. I've now worked for myself about 21 years and I have a virtual marketing department made up of a lot of people I had worked with earlier in my career, in my corporate days and my startup days. And we just come together and form teams based on what clients need and help them with their marketing challenges. Right. So three things that come up. First of all, I'm waiting for Elon Musk to follow through on his threat to buy Coca-Cola and put the cocaine back in. I think that'd be really nice. Second of all, he can afford it. He's, he's kind of cash poor from his last mistake. Well, give him give him a year. Uh, they, they've, <laughs> uh, he's he's made those kind of quote unquote mistakes before. And we've seen what happens. Uh it takes a certain personality to be able to take those kind of leaps, but he has a pretty good track record for making it work for him. And we'll, we'll see how that goes. Uh, per, 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 personally, I am curious to see if Twitter's even here a year from now, because it's my personal belief that he ultimately bought it to make it a component of something else, which we're just not seeing yet. But that's something I'm just putting in as a little Easter egg for our listeners in case they're checking in a year from now and they say, holy goodness gracious, he did he call it or what? What did he know? And maybe they'll listen to the show more. Uh, another thing is, um, speaking of Coca-Cola, one of the things that they've innovated in in the past few years is getting rid of their corporate voicemail. I remember when voicemail was such an exciting thing, and now they're pioneering and moving to a post-voicemail world, which is something that if we have time, I'm actually going to touch on when it comes to this personal branding thing. Uh, our listeners will probably be as, as amazed as I am is how I make that connection. And then the third thing, uh, what was that famous thing that, that you mentioned the movie Wall Street? What was that famous phrase that the Gordon Ge Gecko character said? Greed is good. No, he didn't. He didn't he, say that. He, he, he never said greed is good. Oh, that was my recollection. That's what I remember, but maybe ah, ah, the Mandela effect. How they carefully edited those trailers to make it look like he said greed is good. Go back and watch the movie. He never said greed is good. 
Oh, wow. Well, that's a good one. Thank you for bringing that to my attention. See, I, 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 I cover this in my book. He said something else that's significantly different from that and speaks to the issue of actually what is good and how do we define good? But he never said greed is good. He did not say that phrase. So, so what did he say that you liked better? Well, it's not the matter of where I liked it better. It's a matter of what he said. He said greed, for lack of a better word, is good. Oh. That's different. Definitely. I have a, I have a whole section in my book about that. So we mentioned, you know, we mentioned Elon, and uh, you can also think of, well, how you can think of Michael Douglas as being, to a certain degree, uh, a brand. I mean, as soon as you say Michael Douglas, everybody can see that face and hear that voice. And you can also mention LeBron James or Taylor Swift. And I can go on and on and on and on and on. So these are all folks we recognize as being personal brands. As soon as you hear their name, you see their face or you know what they do. But what about everybody else? Are we brands? Everybody's a brand, Adam. I mean, this is the thing that I think really came out loud and strong over the last three years during the pandemic. If you don't exist online, you don't exist. So what happens when somebody reaches out and wants to be on your podcast or wants to grab coffee or wants to set up a phone call, you Google them. Like, is this person worth my time? Yeah. You got to see what pops up. That's your brand. So if nothing pops up, they're probably not worth your time. If a lot of mixed messages pop up, that's going to raise a lot of questions. And if you see a pattern of consistency, of professionalism that intrigues you and you start kind of, it's like going down the rat hole and you keep going. And then before you know it, you've been kind of stalking this person online for 20 minutes. You're thinking, yeah, I think I'd like to have a conversation with them. They seem pretty interesting. And that's your brand. And so the truth is, I think everybody's a brand today. Um, and it doesn't matter if you are an employee at a company, um, you know, you might be recruiting for a new job or a promotion. Um, that's your brand. Whether you're a small business person, whether you're a nonprofit, everybody, every organization today has a brand. And if you don't know what it means, you know, other people are defining it for you. And there are a lot of things you can do to kind of figure out what your brand means, what it stands for. And, you know, asking people that are kind of in your world, in your ecosystem, primary, secondary, and tertiary audiences about when you think of Adam, what do you think of? What are the first words that pop into your brain? What space does he own in your, in your mind? When I have what kind of problem do I call Adam? You know, everybody's got like their tech friend. Everybody's got their fashion friend. You know, who do you call when you have a certain kind of question or problem? That's their brand. And, you, you know, everybody knows they're trusted they're the go-to source if you're buying a new phone or a new computer. Um, if you want to check out streaming services, who is that go-to person in your network? Right. So that that's your brand. And they may not think that they're relevant, at, you know, they're competitive with 
Beyonce or LeBron or Taylor Swift, but in their world, they're a brand too. Sure, sure. So speaking of branding, I mentioned earlier that as soon as you see the name typed or hear the name said, when it comes to these personal brands, you see their face, you can hear their voice. Whether you like it or you don't like it, it is something that you can easily identify. And even whether you like it or don't like it isn't necessarily the best criteria because you have your own reactions to it based on your own truth. Uh, I mentioned four names when I asked the first question, and I don't have the same feelings about every one of them. And based on knowing you for 18 minutes, I have a feeling that we have different views on some of those people, which is perfectly fine. We view things through the lens of our own truth, and I think that's part of branding. So let's get into a little bit of people's truth. The Business Creators Radio Show is an audio-only format, and we've been on the air for almost 10 years. We're one of the longest continuously running entrepreneurial podcasts on the air today. Every so often, somebody tries to tell me, well, you know, you should use a camera and it'd be more... I don't care. I don't care. I don't want to. The reason being is this is the type of show that I like to be able to sit here comfortably on my couch with my personal assistant, Alessandra, who's purring like a diesel truck here right now. And it, and when you say things that are really inspirational, I may or may not stand up off my purple couch and pace around the room, uh, tethered only by my very long headset cord, doing the raise the roof gesture. That's That, that may or may not happen from time to time. Now... So what I want to get into is, this is not what we originally discussed, but I think it's important, is to what extent do we have to do things like video and those those selfie videos, which I will not participate in, and do social media, which uh, is, is a collection of photographs of you pointing the camera at yourself and snapping it? Yeah, so what I love about what you're saying is one of the most important aspects of building a brand is that it has to be authentic and people know when brands are real and what you're telling me is you you know you've been doing this a long time before it was trendy before there was social media there was clubhouse you did you you found your lane and you live in your lane and that's and the people that you find in your creative creators network you know, they find you, you find them, and you really can have those very deep conversations. And what I love about that is that's authentically you. So the dirty little secret for me is, you know, I alluded to this when we first connected. It was such a bonus for me, the fact that this was audio only, because, you know, we've all spent so much time on Zoom the last three years. It's so nice to just (laughs) be able to turn off your camera and have a conversation with someone. And I love that about like, you know, I I do a lot of podcasts too, and those can be fun. But, you know, at five o'clock in the afternoon, sometimes, like you said, it's good to put your feet up. You don't have to worry what your hair looks like, whether or not you're wearing your lipstick or nice clean shirt or whatever. Yeah, I'm out of, I I ran out of lipstick earlier. I'm just going to say, Right. Maybe the lipstick is not for yeah. you, but, but I feel really um, it's so important that people know like what is authentic to them. And social media is one of those things that, you know, 
clients come to me all the time and say, you know, do I need a blog? Should I be on Twitter? So here's the thing. There are a million platforms out there and um, there are going to be more coming all the time. And the truth is there is not enough time in the day to be on every platform. Correct. Um, so I always tell people, find one or maybe two platforms that really work for you. And whatever they are, go there. Own that. Be strong on that. Be consistent and keep showing up. But if you start a blog and the first week you blog three times and the second week you blog twice and the third week you're busy and the fourth week you do it once and then you got kind of, you know, you traveled and you had some family stuff come up, you didn't feel well. And a month goes by and you haven't been blogging. That is not a good way to build a brand. Because what you're telling people is, I'm a little bit flaky. You know, you can't really count on me. And I bet the quality of the blog posts were really good at the beginning. And then you were kind of just calling it in and quickly. And uh -huh. then probably not kind of following up when people make comments, not engaging your, your followers. That is a really bad strategy. If you like Twitter and you're really good for 140 or 280 characters, then do that. That's fine. So, you know, I will do whatever social media platform my clients want to pay me to help them with. I am more than happy to help them. But for me, for my brand, I am all about LinkedIn. I'm not on Facebook. I'm not on Twitter, Twitter Instagram, Pinterest. I don't really care about the other ones. The other thing you have to worry about is, and you see this sometimes with young people, like, you know, they want to have all their spring break pictures on Facebook where you're looking maybe a little compromised in a bikini <laughs> or bathing suit, you're drinking, you're hanging out, maybe doing some kind of crazy stuff. And then, you know, on Instagram, you're taking all these pictures. And like you said, a lot of selfies and a lot of whatever. And then on Twitter, you're being really snarky and it's like this kind of very, uh, I don't know, uh, sense of humor that may or may not be taken correctly. But on LinkedIn, boy, are they professional. The resume looks great. Okay, so we talked about, I'm about to meet this person. I Google them. All these things start popping up and they're all telling me this person is a different person. Are they a partier? Are they snarky? Are they professional? Who is this person? Yeah. Uh, and I don't think that's helping your cause. So I would say less is more, be consistent and figure out what those two, three, four messages are that you want to own in your audience's brain and reinforce them in everything that you do. So- oh. When people are looking for marketing help, I hope they either they find me or someone they trust tells them, I know this woman, Paige, who does marketing. You should start with her. That is a good brand. Well, yeah, and I, and I see your point. Now, if somebody looks you up and they find out that you go on some other platform and you act all nutty, maybe that works for them because they like, they like the person who uh, shows up the office in suit and tie and then goes nuts when they're not in the office, uh, shows a different side of their personality. Hey, I can work with them and I can hang out with them. 
and that'll repel some people too. So to me, to me, personal branding is part of authenticity. I mean, if you, uh, if you dig into me, you're going to, you're going to find some things that'll, that might make you wonder, but uh, you, you know what, that's perfectly fine because it's also attracting the people I want to attract. Because I want to, because I want to have the fun with the people I'm working with. And some people look at this, and I'm not their blend of tea. Well, here's how I look at it, and this is something that has carried me through the years. Every time I I say no, I create somebody else's yes. I feel exactly the same way. When somebody finds their way to my website or my LinkedIn, and they take the time to click on the content, read the articles, watch the videos, they're going to decide. Either this person is going to work well with me, or you know what? This is not my cup of tea, as you said. And that is totally cool because for me, I'm not trying to work with everybody. It's like, I don't need everyone to be a client to have a great business. You don't need everyone to be on your podcast to have a great uh, podcast. You just don't. You just want the people you connect with, the people that work with you to be awesome so that you have great conversations. I want to solve problems where I know I can knock it out of the park every time. If every client I have thinks I'm like a grand slam player, that is like money in the bank because everybody thinks I'm great. If it's someone that's doing something in a niche that I know nothing about and our personalities don't really gel, that's not going to be a great experience for either of us. Yeah, And if if they realize that checking out my website or checking me out on LinkedIn and they decide not to call or they decide to hire someone else, God bless them. I think that's awesome. Well, yeah, certainly. And, you know, uh, and, you know, uh, if you were to look at that prospect and say, well, you know, I don't know if I could really work with them. I'm not sure what I think of their sense of humor. I see that they have these ideas that don't mesh with mine. And I just don't see myself spending a lot of time with them. Bear in mind, there's somebody out there who just wishes that person would show up on their doorstep right now. It would make their month. Bingo. Absolutely. Yeah. And, uh, and, 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 I, and I also know that I'm a recipient of that same sentiment that uh, permeates off other people. And that that's, that's, to me, it's not a zero sum game. There's always enough for everybody. It's a matter of helping people connect with what they're looking for. So for example, I, I allude to this, I fervently believe that selfies kill. I actually post stuff with the hashtag selfies kill. And if I see somebody post selfie skill, I correct them and tell them that it's the K, not the second S that's supposed to be capitalized. I cite statistics. I cite websites that track selfie, selfie, you know, fatalities and injuries caused by selfies. I believe that they are part of the, uh, process of destroying our ability to interact with each other. I believe they manifest mental illness in some cases. I will not do it. If somebody steps up to me and holds a camera out, that camera might fall on the floor. Now, I know people that agree with that. I know people that disagree with that. And, you know, I've actually gotten at least one client because they saw me write about that stuff and they thought it was funny. No, I think, I mean, again, it's not for everybody, but that's awesome. All right. So just one final point before we move on to your next question is I know somebody, uh, her name is Denise, and she's been on my shows so many times. I've known her for, uh, she's one of the longest people I've known in the online marketing industry. I want to say about 15 years at this point. And there is no photograph of her to be found anywhere. 
Wow. If you if, 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 if you if you really know where to dig, you can you might locate a photograph that she will she will verify is a picture of her eyes that were taken when she was in her 30s. But there is the bit nobody knows what she looks like. Nobody has ever seen her. Nobody has ever met her. But almost everybody has been on her show. And many people have had conversations with her. She's a very real person, but she does not want her photograph to be online. Myself, uh, about a year and a half ago, I hired this woman to follow me around Las Vegas and she shot me 161 times. So pretty much any photograph you see of me is going to come from my portfolio. Wow. No, I used to think, you know, growing up, remember the rock band Kiss? Yes. I used to think those four guys were brilliant because nobody really knew what they looked like. So when they got off stage, they could take a shower, wipe off all the face paint and makeup and put on a baseball cap and go lead a normal life as like a private citizen. And until they pulled out their credit card, nobody would know it was them. And I just thought, you know, I'd much rather be successful and wealthy than famous. Like having your face being, as you were saying, every time those famous names came up, you had a mental picture, you know what the person looks like. I mean, that I think that part of uh, being famous would be completely overrated. Who wants yeah. to have paparazzi and people, you know, outside your house and jumping out of shrubs? And I think, you know, and like the singer uh, Sia more recently, how she had that wig that covered her face. I just think in a yeah. way that's kind of brilliant because it's like the the TV show, The Voice. They're famous for their voice for, you know, like they should be able if they want to live privately, they should be able to do that. Right. I, I don't disagree with that one bit. So you mentioned blogging. Do you have to have one? You do not have to have a blog. Oh, thank God. Cause I hate writing, but go ahead. So here's my recommendation. And this is what I do. There are a lot of great blogs out there in every category, in every industry, you know, who the best bloggers are. You should follow their blogs. You should read their blogs. And when you have something really smart to say, you should comment on their blogs and then put your contact information at the bottom. And if you get known as being the really smart guy or smart woman on the such and such blog, or every time that person makes a comment, I always agree, or boy, do they, they really are so smart. Every time, you know, they type, I, you know, I learned something new. And then ultimately someone's going to click on the link to figure out who this person is. And you don't, you're not responsible for the traffic. You're not responsible for getting the horse to water, but you can chime in where it makes you shine. And that's what I do. I don't want right. the responsibility of a blog because like I said, you can't do it haphazardly. And a newsletter's the same thing. Like, you know, you can do it weekly, bi-weekly, monthly, bi-monthly, quarterly, but you gotta be on a schedule. You know, when I wrote that uh, monthly column for Forbes, it was right when kind of social media started to escalate. And I had just gotten a new editor and the new editor said to me, your columns are really popular. People love them. You were getting lots of opens, lots of pass around. The problem is we, um, we've decided we want to start 
having all the columnists blog. And so even though you, we still want you to do the monthly column, we'd like you to do uh, up to 300 words three times a week. And I was like, wait, what? Uh, yeah, I'm, said, I'm, I'm already getting the creepy crawlies here, but go right ahead. Well, I said, with all due respect, I've been doing this, you know, I wrote for Entrepreneur for four years. I had been writing for Forbes for about a year. And I said, I really appreciate the topics are, you know, relevant. People are enjoying them. They're passing them around. But I'm not a blogger. I don't want to be a blogger. And I certainly don't want to read people's comments and have to respond to them because you know those platforms get a lot of traffic and that means you yeah. have to be kind of you know eyes on the screen constantly because uh -huh. they you know they want you to respond in a timely manner and i said you know i don't think i'm the right person for this and he said well if you can't blog you're gonna have to give up your column and i said been really fun i've loved it but i'm i think i'm done well here here's an interesting litmus test i like to tell folks do you all do you often find or even sometimes find yourself typing a comment on a social media thread and then either immediately deleting it or just not submitting it because you think oh this this is a really this is a really good one but then i'm gonna have to deal with people commenting on it so I I don't do that. I get I know of people who do. Yeah, the reason the reason I bring the reason I bring that up is if uh, if uh, that is something that comes up for you on a regular basis, then you got to ask if you really want to put a lot of time into blogging because yeah, you might write ten blog posts and nine of them might barely see the light of day, but that one is going to go viral on you, and next thing you know, you're going to have seven different discussion threads on it. Yeah, no, that that is a real uh, situation, no question. But I, you know, I find again when you're the guest blogger, when you're the person chiming in with the comment, um, I mean, it can go viral. That's true, but more than likely, you know, people either agree or disagree with you. Yeah, they say, "Yep, I agree with that comment. I had the same idea, but I thought she articulated it really well." Or I totally disagree, and here's why. And if you want to engage, you can engage or let other people fight that battle. It's not your platform. You're just a guest. I see, I see what you're saying, and this is why some folks tend to be more of uh, the, you know, the phrase that rhymes, so I'll just say it is reply guy. And, yeah. I tend, and I tend to be that on social media. I reply to others more than I do my own because when I do my own stuff, I... I have to be creative consistently and I don't want to. And, uh, and yeah, the, yeah, the other thing is, is, and I say this to folks all the time, particularly now we're talking about artificial intelligence for content creation and blogging. And I say, Hey, if you have a artificial intelligence tool, you like, like quick, Write Or chat GTP or whatever the hell it is, or, or uh, yeah. any of the other ones and using it to generate blog content. Well, that's good. And now what you have is either a swipe file or a rough draft, depending on how you choose to interpret it. If it starts spitting out a lot of facts, you probably will want to spend just a minute fact checking it to make sure that it didn't read the wrong stuff off the Internet, because that's where their data banks come from. Absolutely. Yeah, there's absolutely. that. There's that. And 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 this is the cool part. Since the main part of it's already written, all you have to do is go through it and add a bit of your own personality. 
rather than rather than the moment of staring at the empty Word document trying to say, what was that idea I had in the supermarket last week? Damn it. Yeah, no, I mean, I'm not that person, but I think you're right. I think for a lot of people, it'll be a real help. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, so this is why I like the podcasting platform so much is I don't have to write anything. My role as a podcast host consists of two things. I decide who's going to be on the show and I show up and interview them. Everything else is handled by a combination of my process and other people. That's a great system. And I think your process, having been on the other side, works. Yeah. Like clearly you're a pro Mm -hmm. when you clean up really well online. I've seen, you know, you've done this a lot. This is not your first rodeo. You have a very clear kind of process with breadcrumbs that are easy to follow. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, if that works for you and you've got a well-oiled machine, awesome. But that system is not going to work for everyone. And there are a lot of people that either don't like talking, they don't like their voice, they're not quick enough, like to be able to pivot and react to the conversation. But this platform clearly works well for you. Yeah, absolutely. So overall, what would you say if somebody came to you and asked, how do I build a brand and they're asking it as a very broad question, like, where do I start? What do I do? What would you tell them? So building a brand for a person is like building a brand for a product or service. You know, look at kind of what your strengths are, what your weaknesses are, um, and look all around at like, who are other people out there that do what you do? Uh, what are what real estate do they already own in people's minds? What real estate is available for ownership? What and what syncs up between the things that you're good at that you like doing that you're that are your strengths and areas where you could really own it? And you know, again, you could do the market research we talked about. Doesn't have to be fancy. Doesn't have to be expensive. But you've got to ask real people who would be your real target audience. Don't just ask your neighbor, your sister, your mother, your friend, because those people are not going to necessarily be honest with you. They don't hurt your feelings. They don't want to tell you the baby's ugly. And they'll be like, oh, Adam, you're so good at this. I love it. But if they're not the people that are either on the show or listening, it doesn't really matter. They're your friends and family. They want to support you. They love you, but they're not good to do market research with. So that's where you yeah. start. You start there. You put a stake in the ground. And like I said, you got to have a website. You got to have a platform. So you've got to be visible online and you tweak and you learn and you pivot and you grow as you start getting traction, you're going to hear you're really good at this, or I need more of that. The market, you have to listen to the market. The market dictates it's the data, not the emotions. You might want to do X, but everybody wants to hire you to do Y. If Y is what's paying the bills, listen to that. Make sure the web copy, the keywords, the search engine, like that's what you want to be known for. And after you've built 
your business around the thing you're really good at, if you want to extend your brand into other areas, then you can re-explore those other areas you want to get into. But if that's not what's initially getting traction, like listen to the data and move on. That's the challenge that people have, but everything communicates how you look, you know, how, what you drive, what you wear, you know, your hobbies, your office, if you have a physical space, what's behind you on the Zoom, if you have on hold music on your uh, phone, you know, every single thing communicates something about your brand. We worked with um, uh, a uh, animator in Los Angeles, a woman, and a lot of animators are men. Uh-huh. And so she stood out naturally as a woman in the field. Her favorite color is red. And she always, no matter where she was, always had something red on. Even if it was a red scarf or red shoes or a red jacket, she drove a red car. Her business card had red. Uh-huh. Her website had red. There was a consistent theme. So when you see red coming, you know it's her. And it rings true. That's kind of who she is. Big personality, you know, standing out from the crowd. Nothing worse than being like lost in a sea of sameness. That is a commodity. If you're a commodity, you're com- competing on price. And that's a terrible place to be. You got to be a brand if you want to, you know, carve out a niche and get paid well for it. Yeah, I could not agree with that any more than I could say I agree with it. So I've mentioned that I have a purple couch and oh, believe me, when I told people I was getting a purple couch for my new apartment, some of the comments I got on that and I said, well, yeah, purple is my brand color and it's my fourth favorite color. So I, and besides it's my place, if I want to, if I want to put in a couch that is uh orange or mauve or whatever i can do that or if i choose to not even have one i can do that also absolutely but again it's authentic to you and that's what matters that is what matters you you uh i've i've been told that so you have another podcast too it's called the brilliance plus passion project and it has these short little 10 to 15 minute interviews which is about the length of time that i can tolerate having a webcam pointed at me and what they really are is vignettes that in very concise form, feature the guest. And I use that, and again, we're all adults here, so I'll come right out and say it. That is my way of opening conversations with people that I connect with on social media because I'm not going to go, you know, do scripted conversations and DMs. I hate when people do that to me. I'm not going to ask you, so, uh, Paige, what are your goals for 2023? Or, uh, Paige, I see you're a, a branding expert, would you be curious to learn how I could get you a hundred more leads and not a penny's cost to you? Yeah. I mean, again, <laughs> it, it, it doesn't come off as something that you're interested in. That yeah. it, it doesn't sound authentic. And, you know, again, if I had done my research and I saw that that's kind of the line of questioning and that's the kind of schmaltzy 
platform that it is. I, I don't think I would have signed up for that one either. Like Exactly. That, exactly. That's so, not really attracting guests like me. And it's not a, it's not something that right. you know, appeals to you either. So yeah. So yeah. So you connect with somebody on LinkedIn and within two seconds, they're asking you all these prospecting questions or copy pasting their mini sales letter and saying, Hey, would you like to hop on a zoom real quick and compare synergies or, or they offer you their industry shaking special report. And then they keep nagging you to download it. Okay. I know, I don't know. I'm not sure your feelings on that, but I know a number of folks that will say, Oh, why did I even connect with this person? Sometimes they'll yeah. even, so, I, I know, and I know one guy, his name's Rob Anspock. He's been on this show. He's a good friend of mine. He'll engage with them just to be snarky with them. And then he'll post screenshots of it because part of his brand and he calls himself Mr. Sarcasm is he engages in battles with, uh, with, uh, with marketing spammers, with, uh, with people who call you on the phone and run your scams and things like that. When he first started doing it, people looked at him like he had seven eyes or something like that. Like, what the hell are you doing? You're supposed to be, you're supposed to be uh, a, a social media expert who works with authors to help them brand and publish their books. But his business actually increased substantially because we all love those stories of just handing it back to these annoying people. And he's Absolutely. the one that goes on the front lines and does it. So he carved his niche and he knows he's not for everybody, but he's for the people that he's destined to synergize with. And he lets people know he's right there. He's got his hand waving in, in the air. So coming back to my point on that is I could go in people's inboxes and do that, or I, and, uh, you know, it's been suggested to me by my coaches that I should uh, cold call people. And so I say, you know, based on everything I've ever written online, if I if if I ever left a voicemail for somebody, they would assume that I was either on the brink of bankruptcy and trying anything or that I had begun taking hard drugs. <laughs> yeah. However, however, if uh, and this is something that we do with our podcasting clients is we ask them to take all that stuff and set it aside and picture that there's somebody you've connected with on social media or want to connect with on social media, because maybe you view them as a prospective client. Maybe you view yourself as a prospective client of theirs. Maybe there's somebody you'd like to be on their show or have them on your show, or you'd like, or they're just somebody you'd like to get to know. So imagine going into their inbox and saying, Hey, I saw your post the other day on uh on branding on a shoestring budget i really liked it i think this is something that my listeners will be interested in too would you like to be on my podcast can we have you on yeah no that's that's a bullseye somebody does that and you're like okay they know me they get me they've done their homework i'm going to return that call i'm going to respond to that email every time and your friend who you were talking about um you know i give him a lot of credit because it, it basically works on a whole bunch of levels anybody that spams him they should if they did their homework they should know they're going to be put out to dry and shamed online for sending something that he's probably going to take a screenshot of yeah and basically you know pants them publicly uh -huh. and, you know like these guys are idiots they did this to me um and it will also get him a lot of clients like you said is there a lot of people that like want to do that, but they don't have the time, energy or personality to do it? And they're like, oh, this guy's awesome. I want him. I want to work with him because he doesn't take, you know, 
anything from anybody. He's awesome. So it's like a win-win. Right. Absolutely. Absolutely. So, uh, Oh yeah, and, and another thing about me is I tend to open loops and then leave them open and come back and circle and circle them closed later. Uh, I mentioned that I have the other podcast, which has the ten to fifteen minute vignettes. Originally, because I was going to say that my cats frequently make appearances on them, and I've heard from one or two people say you really shouldn't have your cats on. Well, I'm more interested in the thirty or forty people that uh, wonder which cat's going to be joining me for that episode. Exactly. No. And it comes off that way. Like, again, there's genuine chemistry. It's a good conversation. And anyone that knows you, they know that like, instead of putting your headshot up on your social media and on your platforms, Alessandra's there. So of course the cat's going to make an appearance. Yes. Alessandra's right here. Isn't she? Yes, she is. She's sitting on my lap right now. I would, I would expect that's a, nice, that's a nice, pretty girl. Yeah. Okay. Alessandra, now go sit next to daddy there. We got to finish this interview. There we go. <laughs> All right. So uh, we're getting close to wrapping up here, but you know, uh, I am very curious a bit about your brand and you call it mavens and moguls. So where did you come up with that? You know, people have asked me that from the beginning of when I started the company. Um, I love the alliteration. And for those of you that don't know the meaning of maven, it's a Yiddish term for expert, or my great-grandmother would have said know-it-all. Yeah. Um, And somebody who's a mogul, if you believe Merriam-Webster, it's someone of rank, power, or distinction in a particular area. And as I said, we put a stake in the ground on marketing. And when I started, when we were just getting off the ground, building the website, trying to figure out what we were going to do right after 9-11. I called the women the marketing mavens and the guys the marketing moguls. So when I was emailing the team, I would say, hey, mavens and moguls, blah, blah, blah. So that was like always my working name kind of placeholder. But then once the website was ready to go live and I needed to get a name and a logo, I did market research, you know, on online, you know, Zoomerang, SurveyMonkey, not expensive, but yeah. I sent out maybe a hundred emails, again, to people that might hire me, refer me, recommend me. Yeah. Not my friends, not my family, you know, real potential clients. And I said, you know, it was like a concept test, the way we used to do at P&G and Coke, you know, uh-huh. companies. Company X, product X is a, you know, strategic marketing consulting firm. Company X can help you with your PR needs, advertising, promotion, copywriting. Um, You know, Company X um, is not your father's Osmobile. We don't want to be a Madison Avenue uh, ad agency. We're not trying to be a swank PR shop. You know, we're, we're trying to be kind of down and dirty, realistic. All of us come out of industry. We were the former chief marketing officers. We used to be in our clients' chairs. And now we're on the other side giving advice based on our war wounds and ex- real world experience. <laughs> like we've been there, we've done it. And we just want to give advice now. Um, we're a bunch of grown ups. This is not a traditional agency model where 
you know, you have senior people at the top and 23 year olds that are doing the work. There are no 23 year olds. We're all battle axes. We've all been out there. We've <laughs> all been doing it. And here are a hundred names to look at. If you see anything on the list that you like, let me know your top five favorite names. And there yeah. were a lot of serious names on the list. Integrated marketing solutions, strategic marketing advisors. Like, and I threw Mavens and Moguls in like as a gimme because that was like my, my working name. I did not want to name the company after myself. I did not want it to be Pageant or Marketing Friends or Arnoff and Consulting. Yeah. I knew I wanted like a company name, not my name. So I sent it out to 100 people. And um, what was a real shocker is Mavens and Moguls came back on well over the majority. It was one of the top picks. And I was like, wow, like I kind of thought it was kind of cutesy, funny, maybe not serious enough, but people seemed to really like it. There were three people on the list that said, whatever you do, do not pick that silly name, Mavens and Moguls. They picked much more serious names. Well, you know, this uh, several years ago, we had uh, recently brought on a client who's actually still a client of ours today. A great, great company. And it, and the, and the, it was aiming, I guess, through their original branding, through some uh, to, to make it like really high, highly corporate and educational. So part of what we were brought on to do was help them to get their communication strategy organized in a new way with their subscriber database, which had thousands of people on it. So I came in with my standard set of tools and we uh, and we created email sequences from the use and the first thing that we recommended was that the emails go out in the name of the company founder. And then the second thing is we had them uh, set up an opt-in page so people could download their, their tools. And the first email in the sequence did the usual indoctrination and orientation stuff when somebody who is a first-time subscriber downloads something from you. And then at the end, it asked them, hey, could you please just click reply and type receive so I know that I fulfilled my promise to you? And they didn't want to do that. They didn't want to do either thing. So I finally got them to agree to try it my way because I told them if it didn't work, I would write a blog post and uh, I would share it with my entire audience explaining why I was wrong because I knew I wouldn't be. That's how confident I was. Yeah. And uh, yeah. And, uh, and seeing as the client actually ended up getting a couple clients off doing that, because here's what happened. Some people uh, came to the website, they who had been on the subscriber list, they download this thing. They said, oh, oh, they not only they click reply and type receive, they said, oh my goodness, I remember meeting you uh, in 1994 at uh, at conference X, and I always wonder what happened to you. You're doing some really great stuff. We should talk about this. I think I need to hire you. That's awesome. Well, I, again, you find kind of the ones that gravitate and the ones that don't. So those three yeah. people that had said, don't pick mavens and moguls, whatever you do. Like two days later, one of those three unprompted called me and said, yeah. um, you know, 
I was one of the people you sent that survey to. And I said, yeah, no, I know. And she said to me, I got to tell you something. I kind of hated that name that I told you, Mavens and Moguls. Yeah. I don't even remember what I picked, but I can't get that goddamn name out of my head. <laughs> I love it. I love what? it. Yeah. Bingo. Damn. One yes. Of, one of, yeah. One of the criteria that we asked them to pick the name was something that was memorable and broke through. I did not want to be in that sea of sameness. And she said, Paige, can I, is it too late to change my vote? And I thought, oh my God, I love this. <laughs> yeah, this that proves yeah. the point. That's same, exactly it. Same client came to Las Vegas because uh, their their major industry conference was being held here, and they told me, uh, you know, we had dinner, and uh, told me, oh, that uh, she had all these people coming up to her saying, hey, I I, I love your newsletter, or I, oh, you're the one who has that podcast. I listen to every episode. Well, if you're there partially as a consultant looking for consulting clients what conversation do you now not not have to have exactly like that person so what do you so what are you doing can i have your business card you don't have to do any of that and you don't have to approach people instead they're coming to you so the conversation's already open you don't have to have an elevator speech because they already know your elevator speech no absolutely and with a name like mavens and moguls when i tell me they say well so what company, or they'll see it on your tag at a networking event. Uh-huh. What do you do? That's an interesting name. And like you said, all you need is a conversation starter. I'm not shoving it down their throat. They're saying to me, that's a great name. What do you do? Oh, I do marketing and branding. Did you come up with that name? I love that name. Uh-huh. We, we need it. We have a new product launch. We need a name. Could you help us? Bingo. Yeah, sure. Bingo. Exactly. And you don't have to be all crazy about it either. Although I really do think Elon should buy Coca-Cola and put the cocaine back in. uh, I'm not going to hold him to that necessarily. Well, marijuana is now legal. So never say never. Well, this, you know, this is uh, I, I live in Nevada, which was one of the earlier states to to legalize recreationally after for years this was one of the most forbidding places to have to even be caught anywhere in the same room as marijuana so th- this state did one hell of a 180 i like i like i like to tell people that uh i don't really have to buy marijuana myself because most of the time i luck out and i get a downstairs neighbor if i want to get high all i have to do is sit out on my uh, balcony for a while and i'll get it through contact that's hilarious yeah <laughs> Yeah, so I love yeah, again. I love the name. I love everything you're doing, and uh, we are actually at the top here. So, what I want to encourage people to do this is the invitation you wanted me to extend to the audience is to go to your website, which is predictably mavensandmoguls.com. That's mavensandmoguls.com, and here you're going to see a collection of content and videos. Just go to that web page and click in the navigation the section called articles and there are a ton of them if you want to learn more about what Paige and her people do they also have some great case studies where you can see their work with some clients including some names you probably know i'm going to allow our listeners to just go there and see for themselves and be dazzled i i was like i saw some of these clients that you uh show that you've worked with and i it's like wow wow this is the real deal here so again mavensandmoguls.com and click on articles and also click on case studies 
And with that, Paige Arnoff-Fenn, thank you so much for being with us today. It has been an honor, believe me, in education. Well, thanks, Adam. I've had fun, too. You were so easy to chat with, and I really appreciate you having me on your show. We trust you enjoyed today's episode of the Business Creators Radio Show. Check out our previous and upcoming episodes on our website at www.businesscreatorsradioshow.com. While you're there, be sure to subscribe via your favorite network so you get fresh episodes delivered straight to you. Until next time, have a great day. Take care.